welcome to another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Holy cow, this is a holy grail episode. I think when we started the show, this was one of my uh, dream guests from day one. Um, but we got not only Bill Stevenson, but also Milo Ackerman of the band Descendants. Uh, I mean, I feel like I almost barely need to do an introduction as far as uh, who they are, but they're an amazing band from the sort of 80s punk scene is where they uh, started, you know, very late 70s, early 80s. Um, but, you know, also Bill Stevenson was in Black Flag and uh, all, of course. Um, but yes, we got Nick Black back. Nick has taken the uh, lead on all time, uh, you know, most guest host appearances in about a week's time, which is incredible. And we had him speak with Bill Stevenson and Milo Ackerman. How did it go, Nick? It was great. It was nice to talk to like, just pure <laughs> legends. Um, they're both really sweet guys. Uh, I love Bill's energy. Milo was awesome, too. And this was like an episode of something I never thought I would be able to do, to have conversations with these people and, like, see what their hobbies were and, like, ask Milo about science and just getting an idea of what it was like when they like came to fame. And there's just so much really cool, awesome, like information and details. And this is one I, I, I truly, truly enjoyed. Um, we talked about like food and touring and just hearing Bill tell jokes was that made my day alone. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, man, this, this one is, uh, is absolutely going to be incredible. And, uh, Thanks for stepping in. I, you know, of course, uh, you know, I would have loved to have been able to be a part of it, but uh, uh, scheduling made me unavailable. And I was like, man, I, I have to get uh, put this in really, really trustworthy hands. And I was like, it's either got to be Nick Black or my brother, who's a huge uh, Descendants fan and uh, also like a science guy as well. Um, but he got, he had stage fright and, and, uh, and, life came up for me so i wasn't quite available either so thank you so much for uh stepping in and just absolutely knocking it out of the park nick no problem i appreciate it thanks for having me on again yeah of course and uh for all you guys listening out there there is a new descendants record coming out and i put new in air quotes because it's uh you know the the it's a time travel of a record absolutely because uh the origin, the songs are the first batch of songs that were ever written for Descendants, which was pre-Milo um, when it was, uh, you know, a uh, three-piece still um, around the Wild the Ride era. Um, but they didn't record any of these songs by the time that they started uh, working with Milo and getting a little bit into that. You know, these songs were, they were ready for new songs. They were tired of playing those, so they didn't get around to recording them then. So, you know, the origin of them as far as being written is like the, or, or you know, the late seventies or mid to late seventies. Um, but then into two thousands, they got together, uh, the three piece version to record the music. And then sometime more recently, um, Milo went and recorded the vocals. So it's just this insanely like, uh, you know, wild ride as far as the timeline for these songs and it's called ninth and walnut and it's coming out soon so everybody listening please keep an ear out for that and thank you so much to bill stevenson and milo walkerman for coming on the show this is our episode with kind of hard to believe we're saying this 
Descendants. Thank you. This is Milo. I'm a Capricorn, and I, I live in uh, I live in Delaware. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> time. My my name's Bill Stevenson. I'm a Virgo. I love long walks under the moonlight and <laughs> chili cheeseburgers from Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I I live in Colorado now, but. Uh, the band is originally from uh, the South Bay area of uh, California, basically the L.A. area, Hermosa Beach. Nice. Yeah. And I was going through um, Film Age again listening. And like I remember like hearing that, Bill, you started off. Um, you were working at the bait and tackle shop with Keith. Yeah, I, I mean, I met Keith way before I ever worked at the tackle shop, mm-hmm. I used to just be a dumb little kid going fishing. Uh, and he, he worked in the tackle store. It was his dad's tackle store. So he would sell me bait or tackle or new line for my reel or whatever. And then as I got a little older, he started, we started talking about music and he was one of the first people to ever expose me to things like say the stooges or, even something like, I don't know, the sweet or the kinks, like kind of things that were before punk rock. I mean, I don't mean the obvious kinks radio hits, but you know, the kinks as a band. Yeah. Or, or like the seeds or things that were kind of be- before punk rock. Nice. Yeah. I was just listening to the seeds. I was listening, listening to um, Pushing Too Hard. Yeah. It's funny. We covered that song for years. Milo, did we ever cover it with you? No, I don't think so. Plus, the crude put out a version back then that maybe you guys were like, "Yeah, okay, we 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 don't need to do that anymore." Oh, crude- I remember. Yeah, no, we did. I mean, we. I mean, like real early on. Yeah, before the crude. Yeah. Nice. Wait, was That's it the so crude cool. or was it the clan? Oh, the clan. Maybe. Yeah, maybe you're right. It was the clan. Yeah, but I like I liked I liked the clan. Whatever happened to the clan? I don't know. That was their one hit. That was their Rodney that was their Rodney on the Rock uh, you know, claim to fame. I thought they had a good sound. I I don't know if Posh Boy recorded them, but it had that kind of nice sheeny that sheeny guitar that Posh Boy always gets. Yeah, yeah. It, it turned out well. You know like TSOL guitars? Yeah. I don't yeah. even know if Posh Boy did those recordings, but you know what I mean, that kind of that style. Yeah, yeah. Nice. That's so cool. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> I remember seeing that you all met through um, Bill. You were riding through on your bike, and everyone was jamming out at one point. <laughs> and you found, like, a bass guitar in the, in the garbage, right? 
Well, let's see. Okay, I I was taking the trash out one day and my neighbor had a bass guitar in the trash. Their their trash was already out on the curb. And so I dug the bass out of the trash and that's the bass I wrote my edge and bikeage on. Nice, uh, but I don't know sick. about the riding my bike part. I'm not sure what you what I not I don't know how to tie that in. Uh, okay, yeah, it was this like it was a little animation short that I saw in the film age movie. Well, you know, I mean, you know that everything that's ever been animated is 100 percent fact, right? <laughs> <laughs> True, that's Mickey Mouse right there, 100 percent real. <laughs> nice, so. Um, <clears throat> growing up in the Bay Area, what, um, outside of like what you mentioned earlier, music influences that originally brought your sound together, what were some of the things that made you guys go, wow, this is, this is exactly what we want. I know there are like tons of other bands that you're like just friends and there's had to have been so much influence at the time. What year was that? Are you talking about when we first started? Yeah. It was 78, uh, barely, 78, 79. And I mean, uh, at that time, L.A. was just like bubbling over with bands that were, you You could go out on, on any given night and you could see like, Go-Go's, Germs, X, and Fear, all on one show for like five bucks. It was, you know, it was sort of, looking back on it, it doesn't seem like it was real. Yeah. That's so cool. You know, like, growing up, I grew up mostly in Columbia scene, but then I moved up to Charlotte, and then I got more into, like, our hardcore scene here. I never played music. I really wish I could. Everyone tells me it's never too late. Um, it's one of those things that I'm just going to have to pick up. Whenever I ask my friends, I have, have an acoustic bass and an acoustic guitar. I'll always ask my friends, hey, can you teach me how to play? And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll always like take the time to come over and like play stuff for me. But then they'll like never like actually like teach me how to. So like when you all were like, first learning, where did you pick up from? Well, I uh, I was listening to all that uh, LA punk as Bill was saying, and I had taken like a guitar lesson or a few guitar lessons. But you take guitar, and what they teach you is like you know Mary had a little lamb, and oh here's a here's a nice uh, folky Peter Paul and Mary chord, and uh, and I was like no no I want to you know I want to learn how to play you know like John or like uh, uh, like Billy Zoom of X, and so I was over at a friend's house. And uh, he, they, uh, his brother, my friend's brother was there, who was an actual guitar player. And I put on X Los Angeles. I said, show me how to play this. And he goes, oh, man, that's easy. That's, that's just, that's bar chords, you know? And he showed Wait, me. Who, who, Milo? This is, this is Jeff Atkinson's brother. Oh, okay. Jeff, Jeff Atkinson's brother, who was there, who, who he played in very various number of bands, but he played a lot of like uh, rockabilly kind of bands, that kind of thing. But he he goes, yeah, this these are all just bar chords, which of course you know a lot of X is a lot of punk rock is bar chords. And so he showed me the two bar chord shapes, 
And that, that was it. It's like, okay, I can do this. You know, that's the thing It's like someone just has to show you whatever it is, the shortcut or the, or the, like, this is what for your type of music, this is what you need to know basically. Yeah. And that worked out really well for me. That's cool. Yeah. And I, I, Frank showed me, you know, a few primitive guitar chords and then I bought one of those chord books and I was off to the races trying to figure out how to learn those, play those last songs from the, the last. Yeah. Nice. And then, like, were you you just naturally picked up on other like instruments too, right? After that's really cool. Everyone tells me that <clears throat> once you learn one, it's easy to pick up on others. Well, yeah, bass is bass is you know two less strings than guitar, so you can kind of if you can play guitar, you can play bass, you know, and mm-hmm. that's that's pretty easy. I mean, I can bash around to the drums, but I'm you know, I mean, I'm not really a drummer, uh, you know, by any stretch. Yeah. That's Who cool. played when we used to play that Smith song, Milo? Weren't you the drummer? Yeah, yeah. We used to play. We used to uh, during sound check get all get get in touch with our sensitive uh, side and play uh, <laughs> and play the Smith song. Uh, what was that song? Real oh, around the fountain. Real around the fountain. Time yeah. that the tale was told. <laughs> Who sang it? I think you sang it. Well, then. So then, what? Stefan played. I don't think we ever had anyone play guitar. We just had, we just had, uh, 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 we we just had um, Carl, do, you know, pluck it out on the bass. You sang, and I just played. Uh, the Nobody drum. played guitar. I don't know. You know, because oh, Stefan wasn't into the Smiths. No. Plus, it doesn't need. You know, do you need a guitar player on that one? It's just like you just lay down this. You know, really. Yeah, but I like that one. that's a good riff. At the end of the at the end of the chorus, you know. Yeah, that's a good riff. Yeah. So cool. So when it came to your songwriting, I, I, one of the things I love about you guys is everyone put in on writing. Bill, I know you did a lot of it. Milo, you did too. And then your other bandmate did as well, who wrote My Age. Uh, I wrote My Age. My, okay. I'm trying to think. What song was it? Uh, I mean, everybody wrote. Tony wrote Suburban Home. Carl wrote Coolidge. I'm the one. Milo wrote Hope. Get the time. Stefan wrote Everything Sucks. Frank wrote wrote uh, so many of the early songs, you know. I'm not nice. Who wrote Ace? I did. Build. Build it. Nice. That's probably, that's my number one still to this day. Ah. That's cool. Be, you may be alone in that. I've never met anyone <laughs> that really liked it. No, there are people that like that one. We, but I think it's we don't play it live. I think uh, you know it's maybe it doesn't convert live that well, or I don't know what. But we just never uh, bothered to play it live. I always love the sound of that one. Yeah. Like <clears throat> anything off of "I Don't Want to Grow Up." I think that's the album that like resonates best with me. It's like. When I was going through a time period of transitioning from like being in school to like getting my first job, I just constantly wanted to say, I don't want to grow up. <laughs> and yeah. like, that's one of the things that really stuck out with me, uh, stuck out with you guys to me, where just the coming of age definitely always hit. Um, matter of fact, when I first got my first job, out of school. I work as a designer here in Charlotte. Um, the thing that ended up getting me a job, I made like just a little like 
low not a logo, but just like a little like design of myself, but I did it <laughs> in the descendants logo. And my art like upcoming art director at the time, they're like, oh cool, that's the descendants. And they remembered for me for that and they ended up hiring me on. And now I've been working in this field for six years. So I owe you guys my career as well. <laughs> just from that cool. small little like encounter. Um, and just like listening to you guys all summer long that like spiraled into something else that I still love so much to this day. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people can use that, those, that whatever cartoon for creative purposes. And and if it helps them in your case, get a job or if it helps people just be creative or just helps people to uh, make a connection with others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all cool. Yeah, it was, like, yeah, it was just something fun I did, and like I sat like sitting around, I didn't even know it was there, and yeah, they like fell in love with it. <laughs> and then next thing I know, I'm sitting here talking with them about punk rock all day, um, talking about Black Flag and freaking Circle Jerks. <laughs> circle yeah. Jerks. Gotta love the Circle Jerks. Yeah. Yeah. And like even to this day, I'll like just throw them on. <clears throat> and then also like just like a lot of newer bands too. Yesterday I had Ross from Ceremony on. Um also interviewed with Mark Burgess of the Chameleons and then also Soft Kill out in Portland. And like everyone goes back to their like punk days, and there's so much like creative influence that comes from that. Yeah, yeah, we we. I mean, I find myself, you know, looking back at those days, and you know, I you know, I always I always feel like, oh, don't be nostalgic, don't don't kind of <laughs> revel in the past so much. Think about the now and think think about the future. But there's plenty in the in that in that period of my life that I look back so fondly at that mm-hmm. that I feel it's so it's perfectly legitimate to go to think back and 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 and. And to kind of revel in in, in, the, in this period of my life that was very magical. And I know Bill feels the same way. It's just a, it was just a blossoming for not only for the music scene and and for punk rock at that period, but also just for us as individuals. Nice, yeah. It's always just like <clears throat> for me, it gives me the energy to like get up every day. That and just the amount of coffee I drink. I need to slow down on my cold brew. Um, no, don't slow down. it's bad for for if you slow down keep getting i'm sitting here drinking some right now like yeah i never got into cold brew for some reason the like the heat of it is part of the thing of it for me yeah i like it more i I drink it hot like i don't know milo do you get wired when you drink cold brew i feel like i don't get wired even though i know there's probably no no real basis for that. I'm probably full of shit. No, I've definitely gotten wired on cold brew. I just, you know, I, I like the taste of, of the hot coffee. I like uh, drinking it and putting my hands on the cup and warming up my hands yeah. before we play. And yeah. like the, the, how it makes you kind of sweaty and you kind of sit there and brood over it. And like, yeah. I, it's, it's like oh, the whole, that's the whole thing. It's the whole thing of it. Well, and I think as a singer, Anytime I can drink hot fluids, I'm better off. So, you know, if I'm going to drink a hot fluid before I go on to, 
to sing to help my voice, why not have it be coffee? Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> and like the thing about Cobra, it's almost like the energy hits really late. Well, not late, but it's like a smooth like rush in. Compared to like regular coffee, it's like immediate energy. Like same with like espresso and stuff. Oh, cold well, brew that, kicks yeah. in slower. It, it that kind of makes sense. That makes sense to me. Yeah. It's yeah. smoother, oh, okay. and then it, like, lasts longer, but, like, your stomach feels like shit over time. That's the number one issue of cold brew. It just makes your stomach, like, all messed up. We have oh. a really good drink in Colombia. Um, it's called a Vader. Have you ever heard of a fat Americano? Uh-uh. It is two shots of espresso over Coca-Cola and a little bit of vanilla syrup. We have a coffee shop called Drip that does it. Anytime I'm home, I visit, and I get that drink. Oh, crazy! Yeah, when I was when I was younger, I used to like. Well, this was like one of the years I was putting together one of my first fixed gear bikes, and I just like drank a shit ton of Vaders, listened to punk rock in my parents' garage, and then just like worked on this bike for days. <laughs> it's like having all that nonstop energy. I had to like output it somewhere. I've heard that Coke makes a Coke product that's now Coke with coffee or something. Yeah. I'd be willing to try that. It sounds kind of like a rehash of Jolt, huh? Or not? Oh, yeah. No. yeah, it could be. Yeah, like a, just like a, yeah. a, a, a cola with extra caffeine in it. Have you guys had any like crazy drinks while you were on tour? Well, we, I mean, we've experimented with different forms of caffeinated beverages. Uh, you know, we, the, the tried and true is coffee, but... Uh, there was a period where uh, we did dabble in the five-hour energy drinks, uh, and and I I kind of had to I had to basically run screaming away from that pretty quickly because <laughs> uh, the thing about it is like I just remember like because we we were, I would drink you know whatever like five cups of coffee which is as as we are wont to do in the band drink drink many cups of coffee uh, now then, it's as we are need to do yeah I was as yeah. but but I mean. Uh, then it would be like, oh well, let's do a few a, a, a few five hour energy too on top of that, and that uh, at one point, like I I like it caused heart palpitations, and then I couldn't sleep all night, and that just was the end because if I can't sleep, that that fucks up the show. I mean the next show basically. So I, yeah. I kind of felt I felt like you know what the thing about we always talk about oh do all, but I feel like with coffee like uh, no I'm gonna do the right amount not not like the. You know, not like the all amount, but maybe do the right amount of coffee. And then that that helps me to that means that I can do all the next night and the night after that, uh, uh, as opposed to like blow my voice out and then cancel the tour. I just fill my thermos up. My thermos holds 10 espresso. And I that's how many espresso it takes for me to be able to play these songs correctly. So that's the way I, that's what I have to do. I feel like like in like form of drumming having like caffeine definitely would help. Like I would just be going the entire time. I would have to have maybe like three, four shots of espresso. Well, yeah. It's it, 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 I mean, I guess I, I wrote parts when I was younger that were kind of like barely manageable for me at that time. Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, now that I'm 57 there, they, they're, let's put this, they aren't getting any easier. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we all have to do it because, like, if only if only three out of the four or two out of the four people drank coffee, then the other two are always 
playing catch up on stage, like, you know, uh, not, not able to catch, not able to stay along with everyone else in terms of like the conveyor belt of music. Maybe you know? it would help if the drummer had, could keep time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Do you have any like really cool like touring stories? Where are some of the best places that you've been to like while on tour? Oh, whenever someone asks me that, it just, it makes, it, it makes me go, oh no, I like freeze up. So I'm frozen up just so you know. Oh, <laughs> well, I think with me, what I, my favorite thing about touring is just the fact that I get to keep going to different places every day, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not the one place. It's, it's all the places. Yeah. We went to yeah. China, we went to China, you know, a f- couple of years ago and we'd never been to China before. And that was kind of mind blowing because, it, you know, it's like one of the reasons to be in a band like, Hey, let's go to this place that we'd never have an opportunity to go to otherwise. And so, you know, that's why we really, uh, you know, look forward to kind of just exploring different areas. And so, yeah, ch- China was, was a mind trip, you know, just cause it's so different. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember that, that last day, Milo, we were, we were in that little kind of hostel. Yeah. Yeah. And those, those little, I mean, Carl's bed didn't even have a mattress. There was just a board and, yeah. and we we're laying there. And I remember going, well, did you ever think we'd be playing in China? You know? Yeah. 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 It was a blast. Milo, whenever you're off um, working, did you ever like miss like being on tour as well? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I missed first, you know, first and foremost, miss just the camaraderie of the band. I mean, hanging with those guys and then you miss you do miss the rush of just being on stage and uh that you know milo you used to call it that you, you said the need to rock yeah i, I missed <laughs> that's right i missed the need to rock i was you had I, you had the need to rock i had the need to rock and i and i couldn't satisfy the need to rock unless i was with the band so yeah i mean uh we we did we toured quite a bit in the eighties and then just toured like crazy for one year in the nineties. But every time I left it, you know, part of it's part is when, when you leave it, you kind of, you may leave it with a bit of like a, okay, I need to take a break because you know, you, the touring can be, it can be uh, kind of, it, it can be kind of overwhelming at times, but then very shortly after that, you're all of a sudden missing it again. And so I, I went through large periods of missing it, but now I don't have to miss it anymore. Cause we're basically like, yeah, we're going to do this from now until, you know, one of us croaks. That's cool. Uh, and how old were y'all at the time? Well, you mean in the 80s or in the 90s or when? In the 80s, like during your first tour and then also when you went off for school and everything. And then also well, our first, like, our first tour, our first tour, like proper tour, other than just little weekend jaunts to Arizona or San Francisco. Our first proper tour was in 85. So we were like, that would make us 20, 22, yeah. 22, 23. Nice. Yeah, it, was, it was quite an adventure. When, whenever you took your breaks, was it just like nice on the vocals over time? Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that was part of, to, to, you know, the thing about touring is you, it's great to play live and it's great mm-hmm. to be with the, with the guys in the band but I was always stressing about losing my voice always from day one. And I, you know, I didn't know how to care for my voice back then. I didn't know how to care for it. I didn't know how to prepare myself 
for playing uh, lots and lots of shows in a row. Yeah, so Milo I, had he had what he called his bag of placebos. You yeah. know, you got your you got your lozenges and your slippery elm tea yeah. and your your lemon and your honey and maybe some hydrochloric or uh, hydro hy, what help help me or chloroseptic. <laughs> yeah, chloroseptic or uh, that, that was salt. fully yeah. Chloroseptic was fully placebo because all it what's did was the thing, what's the thing I'm trying to think of that's what's the what is it you you might pour it on a on a wound and it'll bubble up. Is it hydro? Uh, um, hydrogen uh, peroxide. Uh, did I, was I was I gargling hydrogen? No, peroxide? I'm getting screwed up, Milo. Chad used to <laughs> gargle with hydrogen peroxide. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah, that that to me is a is a bridge too far. I'm not interested in doing that. But I can see, <laughs> you know, I can see that it would might cl- it might clear out your throat uh, very effectively. Yeah, but no, I, I think I, I so those early tours were so much fun. But I also was I was also kind of on pins and needles half the time because. I wanted to make sure, you know, I, I could, I could, I wouldn't lose my voice. Uh, you yeah. Know. So now I'm doing better. I mean, these days I try to prepare better uh, and That's we don't, cool. we don't necessarily go for like, you know, two weeks of, of, of back-to-back shows anymore. We try to. The, er- of- the early tours was like, the only time there was a day off was if you were, you had simply been unable to book a show on that day. Yeah. Nice. And also, well, you all were taking breaks. Bill, you were playing with Black Flag. What was that like? The Black Flag, so they're from the same pretty small little town area to where we're from, Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach, Manhattan Beach. Uh, so we were all kind of together already, you know, like Greg's parents' house is about 60 yards from my house. You know, I could throw a rock to Greg's parents' house. And we were always sharing practice rooms to it was we were part of the same like real tiny scene that had like us and the Minutemen and Black Flag and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, a few other bands. And so it was just, you know, there was just we were all kind of family already. Nice. Now, doing that, did it take influence on the music that you were playing as well after, too? I think everything you do in life influences your music, but I, I mean, I definitely learned a lot from those guys, from Greg, from Chuck, from Henry, from Dezo, from everybody, from Ron, from Keith, you know, from Kira, all of them. I learned, I was the youngest of all of them. And I, I definitely learned a lot from them. Um, Maybe more like life lessons as opposed to actual music lessons. But you know your life. Your life affects your music. That's what goes into your music is your life. Yeah, that's cool. And like, just imagining that time period had been a lot of fun. Um, same for like when you all were doing all as well. Um, the early the nineties. What was that like playing? That was um, around like the big kick up and like pop punk was coming out really heavily around that time. I, I don't know if it really affected us as we were just, we just kind of did our thing from 1978 till now and all the different trends and things that have gone by. It, we just, we just kind of, we just kind of do our thing. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it affected our music at all because we just we just want to make music that we like. The thing about the thing that the '90s did for me 
is it allowed me to kind of enjoy myself a little bit more on stage. I mean, I think in our very early days, I think it was, we, I always had this mentality of like, it's us against the world. But if you go for it's us against the world, then where does the audience fit into that? And and in the nineties, it was more like, no, no, these guys are here to hang and to party. And so we want to make it be a party. I felt like I got much more into like a, like a, Hey, let's have a big party. Uh, uh, and we're, and we're, and we're the kind of ringleaders of, of this thing. Uh, and so I, I just felt like I was able to, uh, enjoy it to my fullest extent. Once, once I was, once I was able just to kind of, you know, uh, make it be more of like a, of like a big, a big celebration event. That's yeah. Nice. That, you know, that's cool that you got a taste of that early on. Cause it took me, it took me till, Dude, I mean, till like four or five years ago to oh, yeah. okay. get, get yeah. to that point. I I think that what would what was happening to us on the tours in the early '80s, like in you know either either in Descendants local shows, people trying to beat you up and you know pu- push you over while you're singing, or then on the Black Flag tours, people trying to beat us up and throwing throwing shit at us and chairs and stuff. I I mean. I think it kind of damaged me. And I got this idea of like what you said, it's, it's the band against the audience, not the band is here to play for the audience. And it took, yeah, it took decades for me to undo that. That's now so I have cool. fun. Now I have fun, fun when we play, like people probably think I'm faking it. I don't know what it is. I I'm having the most fun now, as long as my little thumb and finger problem here will get, doesn't lay me up too much. I should be good. You know? <laughs> and um when you're on tour what do you do to like exercise the mind before you get ready to play like what's the best way to stay active i always ask my friends this because i've always wanted to just like go on tour with them help out on whatever they're doing uh, i just feel like spending that amount of time on the road definitely has to be like take a lot of energy out I mean, I, I actually try to, uh, you know, get a little bit of exercise during the day before the show. Like I want to see where I am. Like if whatever town it is, I'll walk around and just see, check out, you know, what's going down. Um, and then, cool. and then if at the show, I'm always curious who we're playing with. Cause I want to, you know, I want to kind of, you know, check, I want to see a new band maybe. And so I'll check out the, the bands that we're playing with. And, and, and that gets me, it kind of gets me revved up too to kind of play myself when i can see other people you know striving and then i'm going to be like striving out there later so it's kind of cool to to kind of to kind of check out other bands like that uh you know it, it you know all these things are ways of 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 just kind of keep, it's a way of avoiding just kind of going from a tour bus where you've just you know zoned out and and slept for however many hours to on stage which is probably not the way to, to do it you know you gotta you gotta build in some interactions with the world in between uh those two events and so yeah we we, we try i try try to kind of you know in, try to get myself engaged with with whatever my local situation is that's nice whenever david Byrne <clears throat> is on tour i read that he goes on bike rides with his crew um, yeah that's cool yeah. He, he stopped at our local bike shop that i usually hang out at um he Every time he's in town, he'll just drop by there and say like hi to everyone. It's just really cool. Yeah, I bring a I bring a Brompton with me uh, on the bus because uh, you know you can't take a 
you can't take a full fledged bike. There's not room for that. But the Brompton's a fold up, like a fold up bike. And so I fold right. up the Brompton and, I, and then I can just stash the Brompton, Brompton. And then that's a great way to, you know, before I would, I would just, I would go on walks, but then you're only seeing a part of a town, but with the Brompton, I can see more of a town and it, it just makes it that much more fun. That's cool. You have any like cool rides while you're out on tour that you like really remember? Uh, you know, just, uh, well, I guess in, I guess in Britain, in, the. In London, we were we were camped out. We were like a hotel that out near uh, Heathrow, and I went out to 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 some more like some more area out by Heathrow, and then on the way back, I I my bike uh, pitched into a into a, a a sewage grate, and I went flying over the handlebars. So that was pretty memorable. Oh uh, gosh, yeah, I've had that happen yeah. before. Just yeah, and then and then our and then our tour manager. Ryan was like, "Why are you riding that fucking thing? You're going to kill yourself, and then the tour's going to, the tour's going to, you know, end or whatever." But uh, I got to have my, I got to have my bike. Got to have it. Yeah, Bill. What about you? What do you do to stay occupied while on tour? Uh, well, I'll either just go walking around and uh, exploring. Plus, I have my kind of my stretching I do every day. I. It's not really yoga. It's not official yoga, but I just, I do, I, I've been doing my stretching since I was 19 years old. I do my stretching every day and, and I go walking around. Sometimes I'll accompany Milo on, on he'll, Milo will do like a full reconnaissance with the map and everything and figure out some kind of destination. Yeah. It's called boundary. We call it, we yeah, call it we boundary. Call, yeah. Boundary. We call it boundary of adventure. And yeah. so <laughs> I, if, I, if I'm up, for it i'll accompany milo and we'll go bounding bounding on adventure but otherwise i just go walking around the town i i like to walk i like to br- get to breathe the fresh air and it's you know it's good good oh geez good good for the heart and everything sometimes sometimes he just, he just had a one a, a one second burst of new 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 descendants oh well okay cool now sometimes we <laughs> sometimes we 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 have to kind of the main challenge sometimes when you just come, when you arrive in a new town is like, okay, where's the coffee shop? And so then, you know, you got to scope that out. And so once you've scoped out the coffee shop, then you feel like, okay, it's going to work out for us here, you know? And then, then, and then that, so there's, there's a certain amount of energy and effort involved in just making sure that we can pr- procure a uh, coffee somewhere. Or I'll, I'll usually take it upon myself to find a, you know, a, a a suitable place to have a, uh, have a, like an early dinner, late lunch, early dinner. Usually on tour, you kind of just eat like one big meal. Right. And, yeah. and like a late lunch, early dinner works best for me. So I'll find a suitable place. A lot of times I'll hunt down the vegan places just cause I know I'm going to get something healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a vegan per se, but I mean, I, I can, at times I can lean in that direction pretty far. Cause it, it means I'm going to get some healthy food usually. What's Bill? What's your window? What's your window to avoid spoot? I don't like to eat a meal in less than less than four hours before we play. Four hours? Yeah, that's a good. <laughs> and for me, it's for me, it's like four to six. Like if I can eat six hours before, then I feel like okay, I'm not going to spoot. I'm not. I'm not going to get up there and make and make a bunch of herpy things. Yeah, but you know, it's probably just the fact that I I eat too much when I eat, and so then it. Yeah, then for like yeah, yeah four or five hours, I feel like crap. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, as the vocalist too, because I can't be erping, you know, while while trying to sing with Mike. But you could probably <laughs> you could probably erp a little bit and not. And not I do Milo. I do more than erp. Remember oh, the okay. jumbotron at uh, at uh, oh yeah uh, Coachella. Yeah, that's that's an erp from the other end, right? I, I got it. Yeah. Oh God, what happened? <laughs> well, he just you know he had he had gas to pass, and so and so he, I so he had gas to pass, and so I passed him the mic to pass the gas, and that, <laughs> well, we didn't know <laughs> we didn't know pass. it was on the jumbotron. It was, it oh, was on the jumbotron. <laughs> they caught they caught it on jumbotron. Okay, yeah. Because well, I I didn't even know. I mean, who who thinks we're gonna have be playing out of a jumbotron? It's it's unheard of, you know. Did you? But did you spread a cheek? I mean, that, that I mean, the visual. It, it, Milo, I totally pulled my pants down and. Okay, all just, right. It was <laughs> it was horrible. Okay. People are like, "Yeah, we saw you on the jumbotron." I'm like, "You did not." They're like, "Yeah, we did." <laughs> <laughs> and then, I, well, then I had to sing into the mic afterwards too. So that's, ah, I'm so, I'm gonna oh, go to man. hell for that. <laughs> i'm gonna go to hell for that when i apologize to you you just laughed at me it's like siblings like if it were me and my brother like i feel like this is something that would happen as well yeah. whenever you're on um i feel I, like you know you i just me. i got to say this but milo has been I mean, he has gone above and beyond as a as a best friend for, for me so many times that I I'm in, I'm in disbelief that he still puts up with my crap. It's it's I mean, I'm talking this is going back to like 83, you know, 82. Mm-hmm. He just Milo's just always been if you had to pick the best friend in the whole world, you'd pick Milo. Well, there's no crap to put up with. I mean, you you're like the you're like the uh uh you're the kind of uh ringleader. I mean, you're you're the guy that's that's kind of like making all the all the fun happen, you know. So I just kind of I just kind of hitch my sail to you and then we just go. But that 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 that's not I don't view it as crap. I view it as like, you know, what's the next adventure? Yeah. Bill, do you carry the energy while on tour? No, we all do st- Carl's full of energy and he's he's the most well-read person I've ever met in my life like Carl Carl knows everything he knows everything so he you know he can talk to you about anything and Stefan too Stefan's like one of those guys he's like everybody's best friend he's like the friendliest guy in the room you know and so he's he's good too I don't know yeah I, I I think I got lucky it's I just been lucky with all the people because dude, too, Milo. Remember how much fun it was with Doug and Ray? Like, yeah, too, yeah. We, we just been so lucky. And, yeah, the basic thing with our band is that you know, for we, I think the main fortunate thing has been that there's been no egos in the band. I mean, as you know, we just we're all egoless for the most part. You know, I think it's just because we all have such high expectations of each other to not to not be dicks and to not be to not bring in an ego that we're all that we can all just get along so easily that's nice plus we take we take time apart too which is i think if we had been a band that had just been in the van 200 shows a year every year we would have broken up 15 years ago you know the fact that we put some space between our activity i think it makes us continue to appreciate one another and to actually enjoy each other's company i remember like when we 
when we first started doing shows again in 2010, and I remember we'd finished the show and we all had our own hotel room, right? But we'd we'd end up in one guy's room, all <laughs> sitting on one guy's bed, sh- sharing a bottle of whiskey or some beers, you know. And it's like, yeah, yeah, this is why we started the band. We started the band to do this, to sit on the bed and share and have a beer. We didn't. The rest of it is kind of like. Yeah, there's the music part, but the camaraderie part was always more important to us. Mm-hmm. Bonding with your best friends, that's always nice. And that's why I'm like, I always tell my friends, just take me on tour with you. I'll do whatever. I'll just sell merch. Like, I just want to hang out with y'all. Like, <laughs> I appreciate every ounce of it. Yeah, it's a blast. Who else um, have you all toured with that have been a lot of fun just to like hang out with? There's got to be like so much. Well, the Hagfish guys are a, a riot. They're the best guys, yeah. And a Wilhelm screams great if you want to just get blown off the stage every night mercilessly. That's cool. We've done some shows with the pairs that, that were a lot of fun, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. And audio karate. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. And um, <clears throat> when it comes to like, Touring for, well, last year there weren't any tours. Like, what all was that like? Not, like, being busy for once again. I, I was I was dry climbing the walls. I was, uh, I was pretty much uh, uh, coming in and out of, like, depression for the year. Just to, you know, I think the thing is, is I would be in a depressed state, and then I'd have the opportunity to make some music you know, to make, mm-hmm. to, to make a record or to make a video with somebody. And that would kind of like give me a lifeline for, you know, uh, some period where I could feel like, Oh, f- you know, I can do something creative. Uh, but, but there were periods where it just felt like, uh, you know, uh, I'm, sp- I'm just kind of like, mo- I'm spinning my wheels or I'm just lacking any kind of forward momentum. And it was very, you know, obviously everyone's felt the same as that, that yeah. way. It's not, I, nothing specific to me, but you know, it's like musicians, musicians, especially musicians who, you know, kind of make their way in the world by playing live had, had to have been just really suffering this year, obviously. Yeah. Bill, what about you? What do you do? Like keep occupied and everything during quarantine? Yeah, well, all right, okay, what I did during my corn during my COVID vacation. I you know, I feel I feel bad for people that were, you know, really affected by it. I mean people that lost their jobs, that lost their houses, family. Uh, I mean, I gotta be I gotta level with you. My life okay, look, I don't hang out much anyway. I don't go to the bar, I don't really eat in restaurants unless I have to on tour. So it's kind of like my personal life, like if I'm just talking about me, it wasn't really any different except that I didn't have any shows to play. I hung out in my basement studio. I played a lot of music with my son. I exercised. I went backpacking a few times with my son. Um, and I kind of just, did, I mixed, I mixed a bunch of records and I got, I got that, uh, you know, our new one that's coming out ninth and Walnut. I got that one all together and, you know, delivered it to the label, mixed it and everything. And I just kind of been doing my thing. Uh, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't really affected by it the way. I mean, it destroyed some people's lives, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, my, 
my experience with the whole quarantine was more of a uh, emotional, psychological downturn, but definitely I, I, people financially, you know, were ruined and I, and that, you know, that was, that's, that's way worse than what I experienced for sure. I was prepared for it a few years back. I, I figured a bunch of stuff out about myself, about my life, about how to be happy and all that. So I was prepared for it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm totally comfortable being in a room in total silence by myself. Like I'm totally good with that. So it's okay. Nice. Yeah. And I think that was like part, like the difficult parts for me was getting used to like being on my own again. Like I'm just here with my dog all the time. And that's when I just started riding my bike more and more every day until like, I got to the point where I decided to start riding competitively. Cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what, I mean, everyone goes through their, their myriad number of different coping mechanisms. And I think, you know, exercise is such a great one. Um, uh, doing, doing something creative, fantastic. And then having a, having a support system of other people, whether it be family, friends, whatever, that's important too. Now, obviously during COVID that harder to come by, but, but, you know, I think I can say personally, the fact that I had people to lean on was just really important. Yeah, it's funny, the exercise thing. So that was going so well, so, so well. And uh, I, I had I was just chipping away with my body weight. I lost 25 pounds, right? And I was just chipping away. And then I, after going on a couple of these backpacking things where you have to hike up the mountain, I was doing these things to to, to be able to be a better climber upper where you step up on this box. that's about, you know, 20 inches high or so, you know, you step up on it as if you're like stepping up, like climbing up. And I blew my knee out oh, and, no. and I blew my knee out and I gained 20 of the 25 pounds back. It's pretty, it's pretty, pretty amazing how easily that thing happens to me. That sucks. So did you did you have to have surgery for your knee or what did you end up? No, doing? they can't surgery it. It, it oh. just has to kind of heal by itself. That I had an I had an X-ray on it and an MRI, and they said they can't do a surgery. It's just kind of got to heal. Super bummer because it, it, it's going to mess up. I got a I got a backpacking trip for next week, and I mean the reason I was doing it was to get stronger for the backpacking trips, but now. I, I won't even be able to really do any hiking, you know, it's lame. What, Are you going to what, do what, therapy for it? No, I mean, I have my stuff I do and I'm on the, I, I'm on my exercise bike and I, I, I mean, I, I can't do, I can't do my squats and stuff. Cause they told me don't do those for a while and whatever. What it, it's fine. I'm fine. I mean, I can play my drums. So who cares? I, it's people got way bigger problems than my knee. That sounds painful. Where are you, where are you planning on hiking at? Well, we're going to go to, um, to these Anastasi ruins down in Utah. Oh, cool. Me and my, and Mark, you know, Mark's in the movie, you know, the doctor in filmage. Mm-hmm. So he's like kind of one of my best friends now. And so me and him are going and my son and his son. That's exciting. Yeah. That's gotta be a lot of fun. And like, I just, I mean, uh, I, I'm trying to take a trip out to Park City, Utah, because I know it's beautiful out there. Just going on a nice bike trip with some friends. 
Yeah, it really is. Carl and Stefan are real familiar with that area because they they grew up in Salt Lake City, and uh, I think Carl lived in Park City for for a little while. That's cool. Nice. Also, I just I have a few more questions for you all, and I'm gonna let you guys go enjoy your evening. Um, one of those questions: What has it been like to work with Epitaph for so long? That's awesome. Oh, I've enjoyed it. I, I actually like a lot of those bands. It was mm-hmm. funny because we put we put out uh, uh, the Hypercathium record, you know, with them after, you know, uh, and also Everything Sucks, of course, before that. But right about when we were putting out Hypercathium and we were working out that deal, um, I I took stock in who I was, what bands I was listening to. And I realized that half the bands I was listening to were all epitaph bands. Like I was really into the sidekicks and I was really into the Manzingers and I was really into the Lawrence arms, you know, yeah. and you, you could just rattle off a whole bunch of great bands that were all coming out, you know, with stuff on, on epitaph. And so it just made me think this is a great fit for us because, you know, if all of my favorite bands are already epitaph bands and I'm, we're doing pretty well then to be on, to be on that label. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Milo's, viewing it as he usually does he's viewing it strictly from the artistic side the creative side but me as our kind of like de facto half-ass manager you know because we don't have a real manager so i kind of just <laughs> half-ass it um they, epitaph is the they're the best label like they just crush it they do they do everything the way you're supposed to do it there's so much good stuff on there like I need to go back and like check because it's been a while, but <clears throat> let's plus the plus you know at the very core of it, at the root of it, at the cent the centerpiece. Say what you want about whatever if you, whether you like bad religion or you don't like bad religion, or whatever. Brett Gerwitz is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. Nice. So it's it's just it's a it's win win, you know. Mm-hmm. And then like you have like no effects on there too, and. There's so many, like, just classic, classic after classic. And uh, even, they're like... Just, they're just killing it. You know, we're, we're warming up to release this Ninth and Walnut, um, mm-hmm. which is our old, 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 old songs, our first songs we ever, ever played when we were kids. And they're just, the way they're setting it up and everything, they're just, they're just destroying. They do such a good job. I'm so excited for that, too. So... When it came to making that decision to like bring these songs back, like how that come about? Well, we we recorded them in two thousand two, mm-hmm. so so we wrote them in like seventy six, seventy seven, eight, seventy nine, and they were the first songs we ever played, you know. Yeah, but we didn't we didn't record them because it's like by the time we kind of knew how to play well enough and and figured out like how to record things and stuff. We had gotten kind of sick of them and we wrote different songs. <laughs> so, so, but then years later when we were all hanging out, Tony and Frank would come hang out and we would, you know, we would just, you know, kind of reminisce. And it's like, Hey, we should, we should record our original songs, you know? So we did in 2002, then we kind of sat on it for a long time. At that particular time, Milo was pretty, um, science guy kind of just real wrapped up in his science and he wasn't you know really didn't have a ton of spare time but so you know last year milo finally recorded all the vocals for it and and uh and then we you know and then i i mixed it and and yeah here it is 
It, it seemed uh, maybe like we were waiting for a good time to finish it. And then maybe COVID was that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think ha- about half the songs are songs that uh, when I joined the band, uh, they were still playing about half those songs. And I, and they, I played, so I, half the songs were songs that I had, I'd sang with them when we started, but the other half songs had already been kicked out of the set. And some of those are the, some of the, my favorite songs on the record. Cause it's like, I got to hear them for the first time and, you know, it just, they were so, you know, it's like, it was like the undiscovered music of the descendants that even I didn't know about. And so that was kind of fun to, to sing those as well. Nice. That's cool. Also Milo, when it comes to science early on, what was it that brought you into like wanting to work in that field? That's so cool that that's what you get to do. I mean, I guess I, I got in, I got really uh, enamored with DNA as in high school, I had to give a book report on it or something like that. And, and, and uh, I, I I just got into the concept of DNA and what you could do with it. And so uh, I kind of, I kind of knew from an early age that I was going to be some kind of a scientist or I wanted to be some kind of a scientist. And it seemed like, uh, you know, genetics and DNA and that kind of stuff was, was really uh, piqued my interest. And, uh, and so that's kind of, I just kept pursuing it all the way through high school and college uh, and, and, uh, and onward. Um, and I felt like for me, I felt like it was kind of a creative outlet, the same way that music is a creative outlet, because with what I do was doing with DNA is kind of like, you know, you do a lot of uh, manipulations of DNA and you make new, mo- you make new molecules and it gets, you know, it gets into that kind of genetic modification kind of stuff. And I, I kind of got off on a lot of that, uh, you know, and so that's why I was doing, uh, that's why I kind of started doing it. So I felt like it was, a, it was another kind of branch of my life that I could be creative with. Um, it's, you know, it's so cool. And when you did work with you, do you still work within it or? No, I, in two, it, I was working at a company, I was working at DuPont and I'd been there for many years, but it had got, it had started to get a little bit, uh, uh, you know, uh, just kind of lame there. My, my works environment was, was such that they weren't really allowing me to, to do the things I wanted to do. I had what you might call zero autonomy towards the end. And they were just kind of, it was more like a, yes, sir, do this, sir, uh, this kind of thing. And, and I've just, I guess got kind of sick of it. And then they had, they laid a bunch of people off, including me in 2016. And I kind of just didn't look, uh, I didn't look back after that. I was just kind of like, I'm done. I'm done with it. Uh, you know, that was, that was the point where I basically said to the band, like, yeah, he's being gracious. He's being gracious. <laughs> he had one foot out the door for the last three years he was there. They didn't That's, have to, they didn't have to lay him off. He wanted to get out of there anyway. It's true. You know, I think the last, the last year I was there, especially the last year I was sitting there just kind of going, maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I should. Cause we'd already started, we started playing as a band again. This was like in 2015, 2014 2015 and then we'd already started playing and it was so much fun and it's kind of like you know what i could just be a musician at this point yeah. and then they laid me off and they kind of made the decision for me i didn't i didn't have to sweat it or anything they just it was like okay that was the right that was the right thing to happen it's kind of like kismet you know and so then it was like that's why i just didn't look back it was like i'm done i'm done with it it you brought know, I, like a breath of fresh air to you yeah it absolutely did i mean i think I, music has always been my breath of fresh air and, and, and just, uh, you know, being able, being able to, or being faced with the opportunity, I'll say to become a full-time musician at that late of a stage, uh, was, 
was a just a, just an exciting period, but also just a, a challenging challenging period for me because I mean obviously the rest of the band they've been doing it all along, uh, and uh, you know they they I think they they've they've kind of figured out how to make their way through in the world of music, and I had to kind of you know kind of go well what am I how how am I going to be what 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 do I do to be to be a musician you know and just and basically it just means that you you, you got to prepare for shows and you got to and you got to uh, you know devote yourself to it completely and and i i don't know i think like i think about what the way stefan writes music and i i try to take tips from like how stefan will write music because he he kind of has this whole uh like uh mentality of uh or just like a discipline he's very disciplined about writing music and i i've been trying to think about how i can be more disciplined like that as a, as a songwriter, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, be more prolific, I guess you might say, but these are the kind of things where, you know, before I never gave it a second thought. And now, now that I'm a career musician, I better, you know, think about this kind of shit, I guess. Yeah. What was it like working in the field when you were younger? Working in what field? Working in science. Well, I mean, I, it was a blast. I well, let's just say I, I had a, I had periods where it was a blast, and then there were periods where it was really frustrating. Just like everything in life, you know. You, but anything that's worth doing and anything that's 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 that relies on your creativity, it's always going to be that way, right? It's always going to you're always going to have your rush of your rush of success or your rush of of creative creative uh, you know uh, uh, output. Uh, but then there's also going to be periods where it's where it where it's, you know, you fail or where, or where things don't go the way you want. And I had all of that, you know, I had all of that in science, same way that, you know, when in music, it's the same way, you know, you go through periods where you're writing high and you're writing all these great songs. And then you go through periods where it's like, okay, here's my, here's my dry spell. Here's my, here's my time to not write music, you know? Yeah. That's exactly what it's like in the design field too. Like there are times where I'll have my highs and my lows and it just be like, what do I want? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I got one last question for you guys and I'll let you go for the evening. Um, just what is it like family life, like juggling like your career with like family and this personal life. That's, it's gotta be interesting. Uh, well, I'll speak from me. It's like, uh, it's, it's gotten, a little easier now we we all had little ones not that long ago but now our little ones have gotten to be bigger ones and uh it does it does mean that uh that that you you maybe you're not so uh you don't have to be so uh kind of like present all the time i mean I plus think, you're uh, not you're not you don't have to be a chauffeur right <laughs> that's true i'm not chauffeur no my kid both my kids drive so they get you know i'm not chauffeuring them around but no we you know i think Bill and I have kids around the same age. And, and so I'd say in the, in the, in the thousand, in the last decade, for example, we were, there was probably times where, where it was hard to be a musician because you want to be, you want to be a family. You want to be there for the family. And I we're, I we're coming out the other end of that and kind of thinking, you know, Hey, maybe now we've got a little bit more uh, time to put, to kind of put to, to touring and stuff. Yeah, um, but I mean, my also, kids, my kids are both grown ass adults. So yeah, I could do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be like super, like exciting, like have parents that are like rock stars. That's so cool. Yeah, my 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 kids did did go through a period of of like, oh, we want to go see dad play and stuff. 
but then they came out the other side and, and they're kind of like, yeah, we've done, we've been there. We've done that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. What about you, Bill? Well, that's what I just said. My kids are grown ass kids. So it's not, I do whatever I want. It's <laughs> fine. I mean, it, 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 I, I cut back on touring, you know, years ago when I had kids, I cut back on touring cause I didn't want to be, you know, absentee father guy. I wanted to participate, which I did. I'm very close with my kids, you know, I'm very bonded with them. Nice. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. Now I do what I want. That's exciting. That's always fun. Well, awesome. Y'all. I appreciate you coming on. Um, like I said, this is like a dream, um, huge, huge fan for years. And you guys have had me in my highs and my lows and, I hope to see you guys on tour sometime soon. Do you have any like good tour plans for the year? We're just now kind of putting that together. You know, stuff's just kind of opening up as we speak, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, we're just kind of lining stuff out right now. We don't have anything firmed up yet, mm-hmm. except for we're going to play punk rock bowling. Nice. Yeah. In Vegas, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. The lineup for that looks really, really good. Yeah. I wonder I what kind of a, wonder what sort of a band Keith has got for circle jerks. I wonder who, who he's got trying to fill Lucky's shoes. Maybe Keith, the other Keith. Remember he had that. Yeah. But I said, Phil Lucky's shoes. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, who could do that other than like what Alan from wasted youth or, I mean, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe Byron. But Lucky's still around. They should just get lucky. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I haven't. I should ask Keith how it's going. It, man, that those, the drums on red tape are that's just the best thing in the whole yeah. world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that's a, that's the best punk rock drumming ever. Nice. Well, cool. I appreciate you guys hopping on, and everyone's really looking forward to listening. This is really cool. Appreciate it so much. Thank you for having us. No problem. Thanks a lot. No problem. Take it easy, y'all. Okay. Good evening, you guys. Good night. Good night.